Let me ask you a question this morning to get us kicked off, and that is this question. Do you live your life wishing for things, or do you live your life with expectation? Do you live your life wishing for things, or do you live your life with expectation? Now, some of you might say, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? If you wish for something, maybe you're hoping for something, maybe you're uh, whatever. But there is a very big difference between uh, wishing for something and expecting something. Let me give you this example that shows the difference. It's as if you had a married couple and they're wishing to have a child. Like they say, man, we wish we could have a kid, or we're wishing to have a child. Now, when does it become expectation? It's when that child is conceived and an impregnation has happened. Now it turns from wishing to expectation because whether you like it or not, that baby is now coming because it's inside of you now. So I feel... Like we struggle as people between this idea of wishing for things and expecting things to happen. You see, just as a couple can have a baby in the physical sense, I believe that you and I have been impregnated by God with a dream, with a purpose, with a destiny. And whatever that dream, that purpose, that destiny is for you, the goal is all the same. Now, what do I mean by that? Is your dream might look different than mine. Your destiny might look a little different than mine. Your purpose might look a little different than mine. But the goal for all of us is the same. And that goal is to grow God's kingdom. Notice what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven to his disciples. He said, you are to go and make disciples. That was the goal. It looked different for every person that heard him say that great commission. It looked a little bit different for Peter than it did for John. It looked a little bit different for Mary Magdalene than it did for other people. So we all have a dream, all have a destiny, all have a purpose. And here's the thing, let me blow your mind a little bit. It's impregnated in you whether or not you believe in God or not because God created you for a purpose, on purpose. It's only when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we begin to understand that we have been impregnated. It's only then that that seed that is on the inside actually has the opportunity to grow when we come to know who Jesus is. But I feel like today I'm talking mainly to people that do believe in who Jesus is. And yet we still struggle with this idea between wishing that God would do something in our lives versus expecting God to do things in our lives. You know, In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says this. He says that, and I am certain, certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What Paul was telling 
those people in the Philippian church is kind of what I want to tell you today. That I am confident that if you pursue a life with God, the work that He began will be finished. I'm glad that at least two of you agree with me this morning. I am certain that God who began the good work within you, impregnated you with that dream, with that destiny, with that purpose, will finish it if you commit your life to Him. You know, God desires and wants us to live our lives with expectation. He doesn't want us to live our lives just wishing that things would happen. He wants us to live our lives expecting that they're going to happen. Jesus never once took a step on this earth wishing that something would happen. Every step he took, he expected God to move. Because he said, I am constantly in communication with the Father. And I do everything that he tells me to do. I say everything that he tells me to say. Why? Because if I do, there's a certain expectation that comes with it that he will do unbelievable things. But we are to walk and be Christ-like. That's what the word Christian means. And so if we're to be Christ-like, then every step we take should be one full of expectation, not one that wishes for things to happen. Here's the definition of expectation. It's a strong belief that something will happen. A strong belief that something will happen. Wishing is more or less saying, well, I believe that my chances of having it come true are about the same as my chances at winning the Powerball jackpot. Slim. But when we walk with expectation, we have a strong belief that that thing that we are hoping for, have faith in, will happen. I felt like this day would be kind of like a pep rally for Saturday. And what I mean by that is, is that we cannot enter into Saturday just wishing for a great day. Because let me tell you, we have done that in the past. I feel like in the past we have said the right things, we've done the right things, but we've come just with a wishful type of attitude. Maybe that's more just me than it is for people that have been involved with it in the past. I'm just being open and transparent before you. I might have said, we're believing that God's going to move, and I'm just wishing that that would happen, but there's really, it hasn't rolled over into expectation quite yet. But this year is quite different. This year, I am walking with such a confidence that God is going to do something so big that is beyond any one of our minds or imaginations because I am walking with an expectation that God is going to do something humongous on Saturday. And so should you. 
Better yet, we should walk into this building every time the doors are open in this building, whether it's for a Sunday morning service, whether it's for a youth service, whether it's a prayer meeting, whether it's to stuff eggs, whether it's to do whatever it is. There should come a point where we walk through those two doors and we walk with expectation, believing that today we are encountering Jesus. Because I believe, I believe that for a lot of us, we walk in here wishing that today would be the day. That God would speak a word or God would move in my life or God would encounter me. But God's not looking for us to have a wishful attitude. He's looking for us to come with expectation. Let me say this. Let me say this. What you get out of times like these have nothing to do with what these people do necessarily or with what I say. It has everything to do with the posture that you come into this place with. Listen to me. You want God to move? Then start coming with an expectation that He's going to move. Not saying, hey, I'm just going to lean heavily on somebody else's expectation. That's not going to get you anywhere. If you come with an expectation that God's going to speak to you, He will. If you come with an expectation that God's going to move in your life, He will. If you come with an expectation that God's going to touch your life, He will. But if you come in there with just wishful thinking, I don't know about you, but I don't desire to come to these moments and, and, and have my cup just a quarter full. Because that's what wishful thinking leads to. But when you come with expectation, man, your cup will be full and running over. I want us to look at what this process looks like. In Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, it says this. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine, can you imagine being one of Jesus' followers? Whether you saw it firsthand, you definitely heard it secondhand, and you absolutely believed, regardless of which one you were a part of, that Jesus died on the cross. Three days after he dies on the cross, he resurrects out of the grave. And now he's starting to appear to them 40 days after the fact that he died. He's just appearing before them. And he's actually uh, allowing them to see him and to have the revelation that this is not just a ghost-like figure that's before them, but it is actually Jesus Christ. He is risen from the grave. He is alive and well. Can you imagine what those moments must have been like? Then in verse 4, it says, once he was eating with them, and he commanded them. Uh, let me just stop there. This verse makes me so happy. That first half right there. Because this lets me know that we are eating when we get resurrected. I'm just saying, like, that makes me happy. Like, like, like if Jesus can eat after he's risen from the grave, by God, I'm going to be eating in heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be better than anything that you've ever tasted. It just makes me happy. The little things in Scripture 
that sometimes you just read over that you just don't even realize. Whew, I can go home now. I'm just kidding. Because I still have 29,000 eggs to sell. So once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? My goodness. Isn't that interesting? I'm telling you what, he hung around some jack wagons, didn't he? I'm just saying, like, for these guys to get to this point, seeing Jesus resurrected, he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received what my Father has promised. And the first thing that they're going to say is, well, I mean, are you going to restore our kingdom? Now, we might laugh at that a little bit, but don't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same thing? And we see God move so powerfully in our midst, whether it's for us personally or somebody we know. And then we get to this point of God, God, okay, this means that you're about to move in my kingdom, right? Right? Come on, come on, come on, come on. See, this proves our need for the Holy Spirit. Because what we're reading about is Jesus says, that you need to wait here in Jerusalem to, to receive what my Father has promised, which is the Holy Spirit. We're about to read in just a minute where they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is why baptism in the Holy Spirit is so crucial, because it's only through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you go from having a perspective of, let's build my kingdom, to now let's build God's kingdom. And so we have to have that revelation. And so he goes on and he says this, in verse 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Quit worrying about stuff that doesn't matter right now. And then in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These verses, 3 through 8, are packed full of Jesus laying down an argument to say, now it's time to start living your life with expectation. Jesus gives the, the disciples two reasons for expectations. Here they are. Number one is this, is God is sending you a gift that he promised. He says, stay here in Jerusalem until you receive the gift that my Father has promised. So there's an expectation that's been set before them that they can take up as their own or leave on the table. And that is this, that if they pick it up, now they are expecting that God in heaven has promised the Holy Spirit. And if He's promised it, it is going to happen. So now it's not just a wish on them to say, endue me with power. Now it's become an expectation. But He tells them to wait. To wait. Nobody likes waiting for anything, do they? Nobody. In fact, it's like as soon as you know that you're going to do something and you put that date on the calendar, it's as if the days get longer. 
Mary is about to have the longest week of her life because she's so looking forward to going to the Grand Canyon with her family and leaving on a jet plane. Anybody want to sing? I'm just kidding. But, but listen, you still have four days of work. Listen, let me tell you, those four days, now I'm not praying for this. I'm praying for short days. But listen, that's because, that's because there's a waiting period. And she's got to go through that waiting period. We have to go through a waiting period. But guess what also happens? Even though the days might be longer, the expectation grows. So when, when, when Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, can you imagine every day? It just gets added and added. Ooh, today's going to be the day. I just know it. I just know it. And then they get excited. But if it doesn't come, it doesn't matter because they already know that God promised it. So it is going to happen. And so the next day and the next day and the next day, the hunger just starts getting hunger more and more and more and more. Let me tell you how much better off we are being on this side of the story because the gift has already been sent. Your access to that gift is here and now. There is no waiting period. The Holy Spirit is readily available for you to encounter and for that baptism in the Holy Spirit to happen. Jesus, at the Last Supper, in John 14 and 15, told the disciples about the Holy Spirit and how being connected to Him was the only way to accomplish what God had set in front of them. In John 14, 26, He says this, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. So there's the promise. They got it at the Last Supper. And then in John 15, he goes on to say this in verses 4 through 5. Because remember, it's not just about knowing that the promise of the Holy Spirit is coming, but also how the connection to Him is vital. In John 15, 4 through 5, it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You see, we have no access to the Holy Spirit except through our connection with Jesus. If we're severed from that, then we do not have any power. There is none. We don't have any hope. There is none. We have to be connected to Jesus in order to experience the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. We don't have to wish that we would experience and encounter the power of God. We can expect it because what the Father has promised has already been sent. So that's the first reason that Jesus gives to the disciples for expectation. Here's the second one. When you receive it, it comes with power. When you receive it, it comes with power. You know, it's like giving... It's a bad analogy, but just go with me. 
like telling a kid that you're going to get them a ticket to go somewhere. Whether it be to a theme park, a ball game, a ticket. As long as you don't have that ticket, you have no access. Right? But as soon as he holds the ticket and he receives the ticket and he uses the ticket, he gets access. The thing is, is that what we do as believers is that we've been given the gift, the ticket, the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, we choose to use the ticket and to get access to a power that is like none other. But for a lot of believers, they still have the ticket in their wallet or in their purse. And they don't experience and encounter the true power that the Holy Spirit has to offer. You might ask, power for what? It's a power to be a witness. It's not power for you to do things in your own strength, for your own uh, uh, self, selfish need, gain, ambition, whatever you want to call that. The power is there to be a witness. That's why it is so important that when we go out to Coquille on Saturday, that we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's only then that we can be the witness that these people need us to be. Think about it. If you don't have any power, the words that you say just fall. The words that you say do not have any power. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit, it's powerful. This is why I'm not going to be able to stand in front of a microphone and preach the gospel if I'm not full up on the Holy Spirit. Because I can say the words just like any of you can say the words. But if there's no power behind it, Guess what? It doesn't have anything to do about me. It has everything to do about the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that you, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, can walk on those grounds next Saturday and you can have a conversation with somebody and their eternities are changed? Do you realize that you could walk in the power of the Holy Spirit next Saturday, see somebody that's physically hurt, physically ill, and you can touch them? And they'll be healed. Do you realize that? Do you realize the opportunity that's before us? Sometimes I feel like we just don't really understand the opportunity that is before us. It's not about a candy piece being in an egg. It's about touching people with the Holy Spirit. It's about people having an encounter with a Jesus that loves them. It's about seeing people experience the love of Jesus. And the only way that they're going to do that is through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. This is why I'm preaching this message today. It's because of my hope and my prayer has been that we would hunger for the Holy Spirit to be inside of us, to baptize us in a fresh way, 
so that we can walk with expectation on that ball field next Saturday. And not just for this event, but that we can start walking with confidence every single day of our life. That whatever sphere of influence that you have, whether it's in your workplace, at the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever it might be, that you would walk with authority of the Holy Spirit. That you would walk with confidence, understanding that you have a power like none other. And it has nothing to do about you, but everything to do about the Holy Spirit. Now look at what happens. In Acts chapter 114, after Jesus has said all these things and said stay in Jerusalem and all of this, look at what they're doing. In Acts 114, it says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. You see, we have the opportunity before us today to heed the same admonishing that Jesus gave to these disciples, which is start living with expectation that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And we have a choice in this matter. We can either take that and do nothing with it, or we can choose to grab a hold of it. And then, as this scripture says, Constantly united in prayer. Seeking after Him. Pressing into Him. Leaning into Him. Look, it didn't just stop in verse 14 of chapter 1. Look at what it says in Acts 2, 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. You see, they heeded the word of Jesus. They obeyed the word of Jesus. They stayed where he told them to stay. But they did not just do nothing during that time. They were pressing into him, leaning into him, trying to access the presence of God. Because they understood that they were now not just wishing that something would happen, but there was an expectation that something would happen. Goes on to say, and then this is, this, is, this, is, this is where it really gets good. Suddenly, suddenly, out of the blue, not, not, not really thinking anything of this particular moment other than we're praying, we're coming together, we're expecting, and then boom, power inserted itself into that room where they were meeting. And there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone, everyone, somebody say the word everyone, everyone. present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. tells me is that expectation is contagious and what I mean by that is is that you might be sitting here today going oh man that's a great message you're all fired up and that's all good every now and then I feel like saying hoorah whatever but the thing about it is is that I just don't know if I'm quite there yet I don't know if I'm 
right where you're talking about today. I'm somewhere in between wishful thinking and expectation. Like, I know you talk about all this stuff happening on Saturday, happening in the church on Sunday, and at youth on Wednesday, and at prayer on Tuesday, and all this kinds of stuff. But, you know, I'm just somewhere in between. You just wait until you see it. Because your lack of expectation does not prevent the person next to you's expectation. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, is that I don't necessarily believe that every person in the upper room that day was necessarily 100% full on expecting God to do his thing. I think that there were some that were still kind of doubting whether or not this was going to happen. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. This was, this was I think, like, uh, like, like seven or eight weeks after the fact that Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit was coming. I mean, for some of us, if it was after day three, we're jumping ship because we didn't see nothing, so we're gone. We're not believing in this anymore, but these guys stayed at it for seven weeks. Do you think that somebody in that room said, you know what, I'm piecing out of this place if it doesn't happen today? I believe that that could possibly have happened on this day where they said, if it doesn't happen today, I ain't doing this tomorrow. I'm done. But it didn't stop what happened from happening. So what I'm trying to encourage you is, is you might not have expectations, but position yourself around those that do. And I promise you there will come a time where you will see God move in a very real, tangible way. And when that happens, then there will be no problem with your expectation the next time. Sometimes we feel like, man, I go to one church service, nothing happens, so I'm just going to quit going. Sometimes you need to continue to place yourself in a position for something to happen. Some of you are going to have to wait seven weeks, seven months, seven years. Let me tell you, there's been plenty of things in my life that I have had to wait years, sometimes decades for. And guess what? It doesn't stop my expectation because I know what God shared with me. I know what God spoke to me. And I'm standing on that. I'm walking with confidence on that. There are things that have been spoken over me and God has spoken directly to me that has not happened yet. And it was spoken a long time ago. But trust me, I am not saying today... No, sir, it ain't happening. That's just wishful thinking. No, I'm standing saying, no, I'm full of expectation, believing that the word of God that has been spoken will happen. What I see today is not what God has shown me. I'm not saying that today is not work. I'm just, hear me out. I know what God has spoken to me. I know what the future of this church looks like. I know what God wants to do in our community. And I am full of expectation. I don't care if there was just me and my wife here this morning. I would still be with expectation, believing that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So what does this all tell me? As I'm closing, this is what it tells me. Our connection, our relationship because that's what the connection is with Jesus is what it takes is what takes expectation and turns it into supernatural reality. Because how many of you want expectation to turn into reality? And it's all about staying connected with Jesus. Look, what did those guys do when they were in the, when, when, when they did not leave Jerusalem? When Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, they met every day and continually prayed. 
They said, Jesus might not be with us physically anymore, but that does not stop the relationship. They were pressing into him every single day. I believe Jesus was with them every single day. He just might have not been sitting there like he was in the first 40 days eating a meal with them. disciples finally got over this hurdle of unbelief and they got to this place where they go man Jesus said that he was going to die and raise from the dead and he died and he raised from the dead he told us at the last supper that that the father in heaven was going to send them a promise and that promise was the Holy Spirit. So they just said, we're expecting that to happen. But the expectation had to be paired up with their connection, their relationship to Jesus. And it's what took their expectation to supernatural reality. really believe that we all need to have a mindset shift. There's something that has to shift in our minds. If you want your life to go to the next level, then you're going to have to have a mindset shift. If you want this church to go to the next level, you're going to have to have a mindset shift. As your pastor this morning, I am letting you know, as if I were going to sit with you individually and say, you know what? It's time that you allow God to shift your mindset because you're not going to experience what God has in store for you until you do. I'm telling you, I'm not saying that some of y'all need this. I'm saying we all need it, okay? We all need this. I need this. You need this. Sometimes I'm not this direct, but I'm, I'm, I'm being direct this time. I'm not saying this as a suggestion either. I'm saying this as it's got to be done. You ever had to talk with your parent when they said, I'm not suggesting something to you. I'm telling you. This is not a suggestion. I'm telling you. There needs to be a mindset shift. We cannot afford to stay where we're at in our minds any longer. We have to make this shift so that we can truly experience everything that God has in store for us so that we can go to the next level. Now, we talked about this last week a little bit in the, un, in the message Uncommon Faith and how faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. So really, faith is equal to expectation. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is an expectation. It's a confident assurance that what we hope for, what we expect for, is going to happen. We also said that it's impossible to please God without it. This is why the mindset shift is so crucial. Because if we don't shift it, then there's no way we can please God. None. None. 
we might look the part, we might say all the right things, but if we don't have this mindset shift, then we do not please God. And that mindset shift has to be from going from a state of mind of just wishful thinking to a mindset of expectation. Stop wishing for God to do things in your life. Start expecting Him to do things in your life. You know, this is one thing that I have been talking to Gavin about, my middle child. Because he does this with school, he does this with baseball where he'll just say things like I'm not smart enough I'm not good enough I'm not going to hit the ball today dad let me tell you he ain't getting that from me like God's allowing me to see an illustration of what this is in real life like in my own life you know it's like yesterday he had two ball games I got to go to his first one I had to miss the second one because I was doing a wedding and his first we get to the ball field at 1215 his game was at 1245 they take him to the cages and so like they have this routine where he hits off a tee and then he goes into the cage and he gets a live pitch with the coach. Well, I decided today that I wasn't going to be that overshadowing dad. Because I'm not technically the coach on the team, but sometimes I, I feel like I am for him. You know, so it's like, I, I, and I'm probably a little harder on him than I should be. He is only seven. It's okay. So I just let him go, and I see him off in the distance hitting off the tee. And I mean, he's just, I mean, he's seeing the ball. And I mean, like, he's just nailing it off the tee. He's not hitting the tee itself. I mean, he's hitting all the ball on the sweet spot in the barrel. I mean, it is just awesome. Then he gets into the, into the cage and, like, I mean, just knocking the crud out of the ball. I mean, like, I'm over here thinking we're in game seven of the world. I'm so excited outside of the cage. He comes out, I mean, I'm fist bumping, I just want to leap in the air, chest bumping. I mean, like, it was just, yeah, man, you know, like, I'm so proud of you, yeah, man, this is your day, this is your day. So he's all fired up, you know. So we get to the first game. He gets up to the plate. I can see him at, at, on the on-deck circle, and I said, what are we going to do today? He said, gets up to the first time at bat and he strikes out. He gets up the second time. the ball, but it's just like, I mean, it's 
barely gets a piece of it, and it just rolls in front of home plate, and he doesn't know what to do. And he doesn't know if it's a foul ball or not. Coach tells him to run. He gets thrown out. walked into that game with so much expectation, believing that it was going to happen. And I just feel the presence of the Lord so strongly right now, because some of you have tried to live your life with expectation. And this message is hard for you because we feel like Gavin did, where you expected certain things in your life, and they haven't happened. disappointment that's there and you're struggling right now trying to accept this because you're like I've been there and I've done that but I've just been disappointed so that was the game that I got to see I leave and I go and do the wedding worried about him because I was like I had to leave him at the ballpark and you know coach was taking care of him and then one of his really good friends was on the team that he was playing next so he rode home with them and so I left and I was like the game was over and he was already in the other dugout and I said son what are we going to do this game he said dad I'm going to hustle I'm going to hit the ball didn't hear anything until later on and we get the text that he won the game but that's all we heard he won the game so I called him we were in between the ceremony and the reception and I called him I said hey bud I heard you won your game he said yeah dad you'll never believe I got the third base on my first hit and I was like I was like, wait a minute, like, did you make it to third because, like, you got the first and then the other batters batted and you got the third? He's like, no, Dad, I got all the way to third on my hit. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, how in the, like, I, I said, I'm so proud of you, but I'm so mad all at the same time because I wasn't there to see it. So then I texted, uh, the dad of his friend on the team that he was playing and so I texted him and I was like yeah, just thank you so much for for bringing him home and so then he called me and he's like man I just had to call you because I know that Gavin probably didn't really tell you what it was like I mean like he told you he got the third but he let me just tell you I've never seen him hit the ball like that I mean he just knocked it and it was this awesome line drive that went between second base and shortstop and it went out in the outfield and I mean he got all the way to third guys if you know anything about my kid he is the slowest kid out there but bless his heart he just runs as fast as he can and for him to make it to third I knew that he had to have crushed the ball and 
it just was, man. He hit every time he went up the plate that game. The point of it is this. It's not to get, like, yeah, you can high-five Gavin when you see him. That'd be great. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's the illustration that it serves is that some of you have lived life with expectation and you feel like Gavin did that first game. It just didn't happen and you were disappointed. But don't give up. Don't give up. Because it's time for you to just knock the ball. funny is, is God's reminded me God's reminded me of a word that was spoken over us like probably nine years ago ten years ago, nine, ten years ago a guy named uh, Johnny Foot. we were in a room with him and this word I, I'm, 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 guys I swear it's like coming back to me right now this is what the word said he said, you feel like your life has been full of you just tossing the ball up in the air and you swing and you miss. But there's coming a time where God is going to allow you to throw the ball up and you're going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> Guys, I haven't, I don't believe that word was for me specifically, I feel like it was for whatever God was going to place me in, and this is it right now. God, we have not hit the ball out of the park, but I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We need to live life with expectation. Amen? Amen? Can we all stand all over this place today?